Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield. This is a Sheffield United podcast by two American Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Chad Jarvis. How you doing, Chad? Uh, I'm not doing too bad today. You know, back to work, and that always sucks, but I tried to come up with a bit of a rant, but I don't really have one, considering we had a... 3-0 decisive win, although you and me had made, made light of all of the still the mentions and the ongoings in our in our comments about a certain team from Wales we beat a week or so ago. And it's like, man, just let it go. Yeah. But no, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you tonight? Uh no. I'm doing pretty well. Um watched the big game yesterday at a friend's, but I, I don't know, man. I just can't, I can't get it up for American football. You know, even the biggest of games and even a close game like the game was yesterday. I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't that interested. I, I was yeah. interested in, in my prop bets and that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely acquired taste. And if you have, you know, if you find it hard to uh, get behind, then it's going to make it hard for you know just to get up for one game and and watch it although it's you know it's a fun tradition that you know i I like to think that it's growing throughout the world but it's still like almost a national holiday over here in the states because you almost feel like when going into work today you almost needed to take a day off i would hate to be the guys over in england that actually stayed up for the game because it didn't kick off until like 11 30 GMT time, so it didn't probably finish up till like almost three o'clock in the morning. Turn around, I have to go to work. I was like, eh, piss off. Ah, I'm taking the day off. I'm doing that. Well, I'm lucky I had a bank holiday today, so I didn't have to go yeah. into work, which was really, really nice. Got to relax, take, you know, take the day off, run some errands, do what I needed to do today. And here I am with you, man. Yeah. So, yeah, great win on Saturday. Always a pleasure to do the watch long on Chef United Way with you. And you know, we put three past the Swans, and you love to see it. I thought it was a dominant win, and again, pleasure to do the Welsh double in basically a week's time. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say than than what you said. I mean, if we take a couple more chances, we probably win 5-0, and, you know, it's a more emphatic win. But, I mean, I'm happy with 3-0, and, you know, it's a, another check mark on the road to inevitably uh promotion and you know that side it was very there was a, a few question marks leading into that game considering how we played you know we had Brexham but how we played in the in the league against Rotherham last time out not exactly anything that was to write home about so to to see us get back to league form and just absolutely, I mean, dismantle. Yeah, I mean, dominate. That'd be a good, yeah, dominate. Swansea is is a good sign to say, like, okay, leading up to probably, I don't know, would you say this is probably one of the three biggest games we have left? I mean, I, I honestly, this might be the biggest game we have left of the season because, honestly, when we play Burnley, both of us will probably be up by then if everything goes to keeps on the trajectory um, that it's going. Both teams should be comfortably, if not promoted, I mean, on the cusp of it when we play. So I, I don't even you're, really You're talking about a- Boro. You're talking about our game against Boro because you didn't name drop them, but you're saying this game on Wednesday is our biggest yes. game uh, of the season. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. Yes. I, I think that without a doubt, you know, I mean, this is a massive, massive six-point game. And, you know, I, what I think is if we can just take one uh, off of Boro on, on Wednesday, I'd be happy with that. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of get into, you know, our preview of that match on the back half of the podcast. But, yeah, I, look, I, I think this was the perfect time to have a dominant win over a Swansea side that, you know, is very much middle of the road. They're not great they do keep a lot of possession. And, you know, that's the thing about this game. You look at the possession statistics, I think they had something like 58% of the of the possession in this mm-hmm. one. And But 
even even so, it looked like United, you know, kind of rewatching the highlights and granted their highlights. I mean, it looked like United had the majority of the possession and we certainly had double, I feel like, chances, double the chances that they did. Oh, yeah, because I don't really think Wes had anything to really do for for a majority of the game one save he i mean yeah. he made one distinct save i think they only had three shots on target like a couple of them were looping and he had that one save on was it cooper i can't i can't remember um yeah we'll, was, we'll talk about it a little bit later into the yeah. into the pod but yeah he had literally the one the one good save to make um and other than that he wasn't tested at all yeah swansea definitely are a side that I didn't feel worried going into this game, and I think my score prediction leading into the game kind of reflected that. And, yeah, we showed up and showed out. And, yes, more to my point, yes, I think this Borough game is the biggest game of the season we have left. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will get to that, but first – Let's run through this one minute by minute. And I mean, the only period in this game where United didn't look in complete control was that first 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. Swansea got off on the front foot. They didn't really let us have any of the ball for the first 10 minutes. And I mean, we would just kind of boot it downfield, recycle, wait for them to come again. And, you know, do we did that over for, you know, the first, like I said, 10 minutes of the game. And the first chance came to Swansea in the eighth minute uh, on the counterattack. There was a pass to um, Cham who flicked it for Perot in the box, who took a shot that was saved easily enough by clean sheet Wes. Then in the ninth minute, Cooper, after a corner, swung and missed strike one there, and then recovered and took a shot from outside the box that was always rising. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, yeah, Swans had a majority, like they started off on the on the front foot really hot and I believe somebody in the chat when we were doing the watch along says just soak up the pressure. They're not going to be able to sustain this and then go and hit them at the other end. And that's honestly what happened. We we soaked it up for the better part of 10 to 15 minutes. Then they kind of sat back. We got a little bit of possession and, you know, I mean, we took our chances in, in this game. And it, it was crazy because you really didn't see – you didn't feel like we were going to, you know – get out of our own end and then it you know we do this high press on on swans and they looked like they didn't know what to do when we turned the press on they were just like because they played the ball around the back a lot and every time it got around the keeper in in bango kabango bango would get on the ball or or, uh not would get on the ball they wouldn't know what to do and they put it out of play yep 100%. 100%. Yeah, it it really was that high press that kind of gave us the platform to kind of turn the screws there starting, you know, around the 11th or 12th minute. And we were playing some really decent football when we got a hold of it, you know. We were playing it into the channels for Max Lowe and Bogle to get respectively on there. Um, and then the breakthrough came at the 21st minute as Bogle got down the right-hand side. He does an amazing job to keep the ball in play. Um, looked surely like it was going out, but he shoulders it um, to himself before passing for Njaye. One times it for McAtee, finds an incoming bad gay, and he coolly and calmly passes the ball on the ground into the right-hand corner of the net. One nil to the blades. Calm as you like and beautiful from that Norwegian man. Yeah, I mean, everybody that's probably listening to this has seen the probably seen the video floating around on the internet of the behind Sandy Barge goal where he just kind of leans back and just kind of calmly places it in that. I mean, that was a a beautiful goal in my opinion. I, I mean, well taken and don't look now, but Sandy Barge is a man getting into form at the right time. Yeah, I absolutely. What a time for him to, you know, really be playing out of his shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. 23rd minute, Bogle not giving up on a ball that looked to be rolling out of play, pokes at it along the line and then turns on the afterburners, driving about 30 yards down pitch before crossing the ball into Billy Sharp, who takes a touch, and then he has a shot that is just slightly deflected 
And in the end, it's a good save by Fisher. But you have to figure if that ball is not slightly touched, I mean, it, it's in the back of the net for sure. Yeah, and it, this is one of the the chances that I said we could have easily had five. You know, if it, like you said, if it doesn't get tipped, the skipper scores again, and it's two nil in inside of twenty five minutes. It's like okay, we're off and running. But this, you know, we got the goal, and it's like sometimes the the team will sit back and and we kind of sustain the pressure for a bit after going ahead because then we started to install the high press. And then Swansea found it hard to get out of their own end. And we just kept going. Yeah, you're right. And United had all the ball for a decent Mm -hmm. spell. I mean, lovely interplay from James McAtee and Jack Robinson down that left-hand side. Eventually, the ball was put in the box. And Billy Sharp was able to beat the keeper to the ball before crossing it for Njaye, who got ahead to it. But he sent it wide of goal. And then in the 39th minute, Cham takes a corner that falls for Cabango. And he takes a long looping shot from the center of the box that doesn't phase Wes one, like one iota. And he makes a clean grab. And then the next chance was in the 42nd minute off of a corner. It's headed out by Swansea, but only as far as McAtee, who tries a shot from way downtown that goes high and to the left for a Swans goal kick. And then 45th minute, Cooper takes down James McAtee near the edge of the area. Norwood steps up and I mean, it's, perfect Norwood territory for it and he has a free kick that is just so unlucky not to go in he absolutely rattles the bar I mean it was almost a perfect free kick but the ball deflects to Jack Robinson who makes no mistake and absolutely tattoos that ball into the back of the net 2-0 to the blades yeah that was a uh a piss missile of a goal I mean but you gotta feel for for Norwood Man, yeah. he, you know, hitting. I mean, that was a perfect free kick. If it's probably what six inches lower, it's it's a goal. Hits the underside of the bar, and then JLT, lucky as you can be, right there. He's like, "Screw it, I'm gonna hammer this son of a bitch in there." And he just, I mean, I thought he was about to blow it through the back of the net. That thing had some so much smoke on it. But yeah, a good piss missile by uh, Jackie Longthrow. Yeah, yeah. True, very, very true to the word there. Absolute piss missile. Mm-hmm. Then right at the death before halftime into stoppage time, Matt Grimes passed for Cham, who took a shot that missed to the left of goal, and that was pretty much half. I mean, we were obviously in complete control in that first half with Swansea never really troubling us. And, you know, I, I don't know what their expected goals average was, but, I mean, it had to be, like, less than 0.5 for yep. total total XG for the entire game was 0.76, so they were at three quarters of a goal. So you would have had to like to think that in the first half it was next to nothing or yeah. almost as low as you could get, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd have to say probably next to nothing. What what was our XG for the the whole game? For the whole game, our XG was 2.14. Oh, interesting. So, I guess they're calling probably the McBurney goal a little bit of luck. I guess I don't know against the run of play. I don't know. It was I, kind of, but but we did have a dull period for a much of the second half where we just kind of were like not really doing anything, and they weren't really doing anything, and we just kind of went through a good majority of that second half, and then the McBurney goal that we're going to get to that probably raised it a buck shade above two goals yeah yeah i want to talk briefly about matthew fucking donahue here um because i don't know exactly when this happened in the game but it happened like three times once in the first half but um he blew the whistle you know on a couple of occasions when united had the ball to stop play and when we were attacking because of a like either a perceived injury to a Swansea player or what have you. I mean, I know that it happened on 47 minutes after the half, you know, and it was after a, like a long throw from, from Jackie long throw. And I think it was Ryan Manning who went down with an injury, but I mean, I don't know. It just a- appeared to me that Donahue and Swansea city like abused that head injury rule to kill off attacks. Oh, 100%. Uh, not to mention, and we brought this up on the watch long on, on Saturday as well. Every time, especially in the first half, I didn't notice it too much in the second half, but every time we touched a Swansea player, it's like they had been shot and they went down and they tried to get a free kick 
And then, like, at the beginning, it was a free kick. It was a free kick every time you turn around. And then it was almost like Donahue wisened up to it a little bit. It was, like, kept telling them to get up every time they went down. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what it is about our side, but we just don't know how to, like, draw fouls and or, like, penalties or, like, anything, any type of deal like that. Like, I almost feel like we just play through and we're we're not even just going to, I don't know, sacrifice giving our body, throwing our body on the floor and trying to get a yellow card or a, a foul and get a free kick. It's doesn't it seem weird to you that we don't do that really? Yeah, very often? we play proper football, Chad. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. But you know, we I don't mean, we don't drop like flies. You know, we're we're not true. we're not shit like the like the flies land on, you know? Yeah, right. It's very true. <laughs> I mean, we're just lucky that it didn't affect the outcome of the game, basically, yeah. all of that. No, 100%. And, and, yeah, you are right that, you know, there was I, – I believe that Ryan Manning fake injury or whatever it was or head injury, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't on the, the pitch. But, yeah, we, I think we were about to go the other way and have a chance, and they pulled it back. We were really in advance – like we were in, in an advanced position with the ball and blows the whistle and brings it back, and you're just like, dude, what the hell? Come on, man. Yeah, I th- well, I think what happened was – so Jack Robinson throws throws in a long a long ball. It's headed out. Manning goes down. We were on the ball and, you know, going to continue the attack. And that was when Donahue blew the whistle. Of course. Yeah. Whatever. It did not, did not affect the outcome of the game. Like we said, 50th minute down the left-hand side, McAtee plays in Billy Sharp, who spins with the ball and fires a shot that is blocked. 54th minute McAtee goes in the book for a hard foul on Ryan Manning. And then 56 minute, a hard foul on Njaye by Cabango gives United a free kick from a decent spot. Norwood puts the ball into the box and Robinson gets a touch to it, but just can't control it. And Fisher picks up the ball to kill off the opportunity there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was said after the game, Jackie Longthrow probably could have been on a hat trick in this game. Yeah, I was going to say he was awful close to getting a damn hat trick in this game. And, and that's that's something crazy to say for JLT. But, um, you know, he. He played a, a very well, a very good game, and he's actually been doing well over the last, I don't know, three, four, four games. Yeah, I mean the two, you know, the two games against Wrexham, he, he played good. Rotherham, I mean, it is what it is. It was a nil-nil draw. I mean, there's not really anything in that. But I mean, and then you had Saturday gets the goal and probably could have had a freaking hat trick and was, you know, locking it up at at the back. Yep. Yep. I think he's been fantastic, you know, and regardless of whether Clark is back to full fitness, I mean, Robinson has kind of nailed down that position for me personally. Yeah. That's his, that's his spot. If you know, and it's, it's weird too, because Jackie Longthrow, the start of every season never starts the beginning of the season. And we're all like, Oh, you know, Jackie Longthrow, he's done. He's past games past the blah, 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 blah. Then one person goes down, we slot him in there, and it's like we never skip the beat. And he's, you know, he'll have his absolute shocking performances. Yeah, we've all seen that. But then it just he'll surprise you and have a, a string of games where it'll just be like almost unbeatable. And be he'll have that position locked down. And honestly, you can't see him losing it the rest of the season because what if Kieran Clark comes in, he's going to play 15 minutes, get hurt, and be out 10 games anyway. So you might as well just keep the bubble wrap on him and just let him go back to Newcastle at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, I look, I think Jackie Longthrow is great at this level. Mm-hmm. If we go up this year, I mean, that is a massive hole I think that we're going to need to fill on the back line. You know, obviously, Anel Ahmed Hadzic, Egan, good enough for the Premier League. Uh, but we definitely are going to need to find somebody who's very solid in the left center back position, which is not to say I wouldn't hold on to Jackie Longthrow next next season if we go up, you know, because I think he's a good, you know, kind of journeyman uh, that can, you know, fill a hole there. God, I've said fill a hole way too many times. Um, <laughs> if somebody goes down, he can like slot right in. But yeah. I, I just think he's not good enough for the Premier League, which is no, no insult. It's no insult to him because he's just great at this level. No, I, I would agree with you on that, that, you know, those early cup games that we have, 
you know, uh, keep him around for maybe FA Cup or whatnot. But if if there's an injury that goes down, we miss somebody for like two games, maybe three. With the Prem, we're not really playing every three or four days. We're playing once a week. So, I mean, it's not too taxing. And he's not – I mean, he's, he becomes a liability when we go up, but not too, too huge. So he could be he could be almost like a bridge player. But if not, we could probably get him for a decent – sell him to somebody for a decent amount of money in the championship. Maybe. Maybe what, he, mill? He, no, he's getting up there. I, I, don't think, I don't think he's valued at that personally. Well, you never know. I mean, somebody could be desperate and take them off our hands. You never know. Yeah, I. But to, like I said, to be honest with you, I'd rather keep him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would too. But I mean, if it situation, you know, all this whole you know new owner thing, whatever. I mean, how much money we have? If we want, if the new owner comes in and wants to buy a couple of more defenders, you know, maybe it's not the Carson Jackie long throw. Yeah, yeah. So from about the 60th minute to around the 75th minute, I mean, we were consistently in control. Really good balls worked down either side. Great play by Max Lowe uh, to get good hard crosses into the box. And um, just on a couple of occasions, Njaye and Sharp just couldn't get on those. 69th minute, nice. Critically, Billy Sharp goes down with an injury that initially looked bad, but I mean, he was able to walk off the pitch of his own volition. So um, after hearing the update today from Hecky, it looks like he's obviously unlikely to play against Boro on Wednesday, but I don't think he's going to be out for nearly as long as maybe we initially anticipated. Well, that's that's good to hear because I really haven't had my ear to the ground today on uh, what what the injury status on El Capitan is. But I mean, that's good because like you said, how he went down and almost kind of like a heap and he was was messing around with his ankle. It didn't look good, but then you said he was able to hobble off. He was able to walk off on his own power. You know, had a slight limp, but it wasn't the end of the world. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see the skipper will still, you know, m- maybe miss a couple of games and he'll be back. Yeah, and, Je- you know, with Jebo coming back after suspension here, um, you know, he'll, he, we can slot him in into the uh the squad there uh one thing what you know we brought we brought uh will asua back from loan we're what's he like buying food for everybody during the games or like <laughs> selling sandwiches in the at the kiosk outside bram lane or what i mean he's got a broken was, jaw he's he's got a broken jaw and, and mcburney he, were going at it after mcburney was watching ufc the other night yeah, yeah, there you go. No, I I think he's 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 still got that broken jaw issue and I don't think they want to risk him re-aggravating that, you know. Uh, that makes sense. It makes sense cuz you in if you go back to a league 1, you get a high elbow and you just fracture it again, you're bad situation, bad deal. Yeah, I I don't think I don't know if if he'll play for United this season. Probably I don't know not. if I mean, he might be he might be put on the bench for some depth after he's fully recovered, but I, yeah, I don't really see him factoring into our side down the stretch here. I mean, he might factor in if we get, you know, we have a few games, you know, if we get promoted and we have a few games towards the tail end of the season, you know, heck he might dump the kids in there and, and he might get a little bit of a run out maybe yeah. after he's completely healed a couple months down the road. Yeah, definitely. So McBurney comes on for Sharp, and then Osborne comes on for McAtee, and immediately both substitutes have an impact as McBurney passes to an open Osborne down the right-hand side, and he wins a corner kick for United. 73rd minute, corner is taken by Norwood. It finds McBurney's head about 12 yards from goal, and, I mean, he gets pretty good power on it considering it was, you know, he was, like, stationary and wasn't able to attack the ball, but... At the end of the day, it's a good save by Fisher there. Yeah. I mean, as you alluded to, the subs come on and, and make, you know, an instant impact. You know, McBurney gets his name out there, and, you know, we're about to allude, hint, hint, to who gets the final goal. I mean, this is what you like to see when they you put the subs on. Yep. Yep. 
76 minutes, Swansea City's best chance of the game here. Cooper with a great little flick to Perot down the right-hand side from a Swansea City attacking perspective. Perot drives downfield just outside the box before picking out Cooper, who had started the play. He takes a shot first time that is well saved by West, pairing it out of play for a corner to Swansea City. And then on that ensuing corner, Manning takes it. He finds Cabango, who takes a shot that goes wide and to the right and then right after that sequence, Swansea got in again with Kundal passing for Whittaker, and the ball is just like lying there in the box, and nobody clears it. And it feels like it takes ages before Wes clears it downfield. And, um, you know, I think what happened was everybody just kind of froze because Whittaker went down, and they were just like looking for a penalty, and Matthew Donahue was having none of it, to his credit. Yeah, that was uh, there was a little bit of uh, brought you up on your seat's edge there because you're like, why is nobody clearing it? And as you said, the ball's just sitting there, not moving, and the defender's kind of just looking at it. Wes is kind of looking at it. Then he just comes through and kind of cleans it up, and we all can relieve a, a sigh of relief and wipe your brow and be like, yeah, that's probably it for Swans. Yep, yep. 82nd minute, McBurney wins a free kick about 35 yards from net. Norwood takes it. He passes out on the left for Robinson, who strikes it first time with Venom, absolutely rattles the post. And, I mean, he had Fisher beaten like a drum there. I mean, he was so unlucky not to have scored. Yeah, because if the other one earlier goes in, and that one goes in, that's three. That's a Jackie hat trick there. But, yeah, like you said, unlucky. I mean, that – the post is probably still shaking right now. That's how ha- that's how hard that came in. That was a oh god, what could I call that? A goal and well, a shot that rattles. Mm, I don't know. I have to. I have to go back to the drawing board and think of that. Um, the, the, think of the, a think of the, a word for that. The term that I heard earlier this weekend that I'd actually never heard. I. I People have called uh, Jackie Longthrow's goal a Thunder Bastard, which I actually like. Not as much as Piss yeah. Missile, but I like Thunder yeah. Bastard a lot. Thunder, yeah, Thunder Bastard. That's, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. 85th minute, Egan to Bogle, driving through the center of the pitch. He takes a shot from the edge of the area that is blocked. 86th minute, United win a corner, and Norwood puts it in the area, finds Egan, who absolutely twats the ball with his square head on frame, and for once, you know, it's on frame. And then it yeah. takes an acrobatic save by Fisher to keep it at 2-0 at that point. Ball goes out for another corner. Yeah, Norwood takes – yeah, go ahead. You could just feel us turning the screw. It was just a matter of time before we got a goal, honestly, because we just kept peppering their goalkeeper at this point. Yeah, 100%. I was actually literally just about to say that. <laughs> so Norwood takes – the corner again. This time McBurney's able to get a foot to it, and he takes a shot that looks to have eyes for the bottom left corner, but again, Fisher is there to make the save. And then finally, in the 89th minute, Jaden Bogle, full skill on display here, getting past three men, driving into the area, crossing for Osborne, who has, I don't know if it was a shot or a pass, I think it was a shot, it's blocked. It falls directly to McBurney, and it's just a simple tap, tap, taparoo to put a cherry on top of this absolute ice cream Sunday of a game, three nil to United, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see McDonkey back in the in amongst the goals, get his name on the score sheet. You know, confidence clearly beaming from a player that we would have most likely just gotten rid of. If we go back to our our uh, preseason podcast, but um, unbelievable! Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I, nobody had McBurney ten goals in this season on their bingo card. Yeah, unbelievable! I mean, a complete one eighty. I mean, just from the doldrums to hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a very influential factor in this team's promotion race this season. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we did talk in the beginning of the season about having two players that could get 10 to 15 goals. And here we are. You know, we're what? Mm-hmm. Like 16 games left in the season? Yeah. 15 games yeah. left in the season. And, you know, we have two players who've gotten 10 goals. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're getting goals from unexpected places from, uh, you know, from our back line, from the wing backs. And, I mean, I, you know, it's it 
it is a little it does make me a little nervous because we don't have besides Njaye and McBurney, and obviously 20 goals of contribution is nothing to sneeze at, but we don't have like a pure, pure goal scorer. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I'll probably get ripped apart for saying that because both of them having 10 goals is pretty damn good. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we need somebody who can pot at least 15 in the Prem. Is that well, Njaye? Is that McBurney? Well, yeah, that's, you know... <sighs> And this this is what I was thinking when you brought this this topic up. You know, we've had McBurney in the goals, and Dye's been in the goals. Sandy Barge is getting in the goals. Anel's kind of been around the goals. This would have been a perfect season for Brewster to just absolutely, you know, take the the game by the scruff of the neck and probably add another ten goals because he was damn on that on that trajectory before he got hurt, you know, he yeah. didn't have, I don't even know what did he have a couple goals before he went down with injury and now he's missed his chunk of the season. And then he's going to come back and it's going to, you know, if he comes back before the end of the season, where is it going to end up with him? Are, are we going to get like, if we get promoted, are we going to slot him in there and try to get his confidence going? So, you know, we're probably going to have to rely on him. Although, I don't want to really rely on him going up next year because one inexperience all he seems to be fragile at times. And that's a lot for a kid of his age, you know, Yeah. put all that responsibility. Hey, here, lead the line. We saw how it worked out the last time we were in the prime. Hey, let's bring this unproven kid in here. Keep us up. Oh, wait, you can't score. Oh God, we're screwed then. Yeah. I, my hope is, is that he's able to get back within the next month or so. And from there, you know, if we're up already, uh, for Hecky just to play him game after game, you know, I would kind of kind of once we're up, if we if we go up, just kind of just kind of rotate like Jebo Brewster, Jebo Brewster, maybe throw Sharp in there, Sharp a a few games, Jebo Brewster, Jebo Brewster, McBurney, McBurney here, you know, cameo. I mean, because I just want to see you know, us kind of keep ascending. I don't want to get promoted. Then we just hit a plateau. We just hit a flat plane where we don't go anywhere. And for the rest of the season, cause we're like, Oh, screw it. We're up. We're not going to risk major injury. And I yeah. get that, yeah. but you just don't, you know, you want to keep ascending to go all the way up into the next league. So it's not, we don't come out of, out of the gate. So slow next year. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you on that point, Chad. So, who was your man of the match in this one? Uh, I think during the watch along, I said JLT. I mean, you got to give it to the dude. Yeah. Like I alluded to, I mean, could have had a hat trick, been playing pretty well over the last four to five games, cemented that position. Yeah. JLT for me. I think that you know, the club said bad gay. Yeah. Who had so. a. He had a good game, but for my money, it was Bogle who was the man of the match. I mean, he directly contributed, albeit not on the score sheet, to two goals in this game. And, I mean, he played fantastic. That's another one that's starting to heat up, too. Right, right. He's coming into form. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Jaden Bogle is my man of the match, and I, I think he deserved it. And, you know, like we said earlier in the podcast, this is just the right time for us to really begin to – you know, turn teams over, you know, because mm-hmm. we're going to face a, a very, very tough game this coming Wednesday against Middlesbrough. And Chad, I believe you recorded a um, an interview with uh, a lad who does a Middlesbrough podcast. What What's the name of the podcast, first and foremost? And what's the name of the gentleman? The, the name of the podcast is the uh, 12th Man Borough podcast. So I sit down with him and I, I encourage you to to stay tuned because I ask him some some questions about a former employee of the Blades that we have relations with, and uh, curious to see how that former employee, former Blades employee, um, became a former Middlesbrough employee in a very similar type fashion. So, yeah. Stick around and, you know, we'll preview the game against Burrow midweek, but 
yeah, there's also some side conversation that wasn't really planned, but it popped into my head. I was like, oh, I think we have something. I forget we have something in common. So, yeah, just give it a listen. So I will throw that over to you, Chad, right now. Well, Noah, we have a game midweek, a big one at that. Uh, If you want to say big for Blades, hopefully it'll be a game coming off of the back of the 3-0 win against Swansea. Uh, I guess you could call it the chasers of the the trailing pack to the promotions uh, spots. Uh, I am joined by John of the 12th Man Borough podcast. John, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, good, good. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit tender. I was at Cardiff yesterday. It's a long day, um, but I'll get through this. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys did uh, uh, have a uh, a long trek from uh, Middlesbrough over to Cardiff and came away with a pretty impressive win. Um, what were your thoughts on the result yesterday against Cardiff? Oh, it was a it was a big result. Um, Obviously, we're in a decent league position, third, but we're well behind uh, Sheffield United. Um, a lot to do to catch them up. So it was important that we came away with uh, all three points yesterday, um, w- which we did. I mean, by and large, it was a strange performance. Uh, totally dominant first half, yet only took a one-goal lead into the second half and then had to withstand a fair bit of pressure uh, and scored late on to seal the win. But like you say, it was a massive, massive three points. Yeah. And I'll lead, that leads into my next question. What are your thoughts on the two tails of Middlesbrough season this year? Yeah. Um, well, you'll know how we started this season under your former manager, Chris Wilder. Um, and there was a lot of expectation amongst Borough fans, um, because when he first took over, we went on a great run um, in the league. Uh, great uh, couple of um, victories in the FA Cup against Premier League teams, Man United uh, and and Spurs. And it was going going really well. Um, and we were hoping to reach the playoffs last season. But the last few games, it, it, our season just tailed off. Um, and then that carried on into this season. We made... Uh, I would say a bang average start, really. Um, you know, the, the, there was murmurings coming from within um, Rockcliffe Park, uh, our our training headquarters, that uh, things went a hundred percent right, and and that um, there was a bit of tension and atmosphere between Chris Wilder and um, the, the head of recruitment, um, and it resulted in patchy performances uh, that we. Um, put together at the start of the season and we found ourselves struggling we were like 21st uh, in the championship after a defeat at Coventry uh, and the club decided to to get rid of uh, Chris Wilder uh, and installed Michael Carrick and to be fair since then uh, we've been on a, a great run I mean I do think that if Carrick had a start of the season, it's easy to say now, but if Carrick had a start of the season, we would have found ourselves a bit closer to uh, Burnley and Sheffield in the top two positions. But, you know, we can only do what we can. Um, let's say Michael Carrick's made a great start. Uh, 11 wins out of 15 games he's been in charge. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we're in a decent run of form, as, as are you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's... The appointment of Michael Carrick sounds like how Blades started off last year when we appointed to be big Slav, and we started off absolutely terrible, and then we appoint again Paul Heckingbottom, and we shoot up the table like crazy. And it's like how you mentioned if you would have appointed Michael Carrick a little bit earlier in the season, you'd be. The, the gap would be closer and we'd be in a different position. And and that's how we felt last year. And we could have – if we would add Hecky from the beginning of the season, we probably would have made automatic. So it's safe to say that the appointment of Michael Carrick is in the good graces of the Middlesbrough fan base currently. Definitely, definitely. I mean, he's he, he, he's a, he's a 
a, a calm guy when you watch his sort of um, his interviews, post and pre-match interviews on the touchline. He seems just to take everything in, and 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 he's not reactive um, as such um, with regards his his mannerisms on, on the touchline. However, you can see that he, he's he's plotting, he's planning, he's always thinking, uh, and he's not afraid to make. Um, bold decisions uh, as regards to um, team personnel. Uh, and and more, more often than not, those decisions, uh, he's got right. He's got all the big calls right. Yeah. So, yeah, he's um, he's won over the Middlesbrough fans very, very quickly. Well, that's that's something that you want to see when when a, a manager comes in. You you know you want, he want you want him to take charge. One thing I will ask you: when Wilder was in charge, did it? You know, it started off almost as as like a dream start for you guys, and like you said, you know, rocketed up the leagues, and and you know how last season ended wasn't the best for you guys because we surely thought it was going to be Blades, Middlesbrough final at Wembley and then Chris Wilder would do over his former side and Middlesbrough would go up and we'd be like, oh, well, we should have never won him lost or left. So I'll ask you this question. What were your thoughts on the tenure of Chris Wilder? He, I mean, his short tenure at, at that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was full of promise. Um, he, he came in, he, he he talks really well. He he talks um, with a, a with with an air of authority, and and um, he really sort of buys in to to the sort of he bought into to Teesside, the, the the club the club ethos, uh, the the fan base. You know, he really sort of clicked with the fans, but then. And and results showed that you know because um, we we started doing really really well, playing fantastic football. Like I said, getting uh, wins at home, um, a good cup run. However, April of last of, of last year, there was an inquiry after Burnley um, sacked John Dyche. There was an inquiry coming um, about uh, Chris Wilder moving to Burnley. Um, and he denied that there'd been any um, connection between himself and Burnley. No talks had taken place, or no, no um, meeting, or uh, no connection had taken place. But that since proved to be incorrect, um, really? and as a result, he lost a lot of credibility with the fan base. Um, they they were saying, you know, why doesn't he just shut this speculation down? Just say he's not interested. Um, I'm at Middlesbrough. I'm happy, but he refused to do that. Um, and obviously that rankled with quite a lot of supporters saying, you know, we want loyalty. We want him to uh, to stay with us. Uh, and that acrimony sort of it turned things because our performances from that time. It what it can't have been a coincidence because our performances from that time. Dipped the results that we were getting dipped, and we slipped out of um, slipped out of the playoff places. In fact, we played Bournemouth um, away nil nil, and and Bournemouth were catchable at the time. Uh, they were top two, and they were catchable. A, a little, it, a little bit similar to how this season is. You know, I mean, I don't think Sheffield United are catchable at the moment because there's too big a gap. But last year, Bournemouth were catchable. Uh, we went down their place, drew nil nil, uh, and and there was a real real sort of belief that, you know, they might slip up, we can carry on our good performances. But then after April and that Burnley link, it all seemed to sour. Um, mm -hmm. Performances dipped, results dipped, and that carried on until the start of this season. So I just think um, that that initial sort of contact that was made with Burnley, it just upset the dressing room, upset the players, uh, and things went wrong from then on. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of it doesn't sound exactly how things went at, at United when he got got the sack, but he tried to quit a couple of times during that. COVID really, really messed us up. I mean, we come off that high of of doing so well that first season in the Prem, then COVID hits and we were on a good run again. And then after that, the, the following season, we were just bad, bad, bad. He. he 
said he wanted to leave and then they 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 finally sacked him and it was just a, a messy ending to and it, it sounds it sounds kind of similar um to how he left burrow in, in the end so yeah. it's 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 weird cuz i wanted to get the whole perspective cuz you really don't hear too much about how he left but he really it really didn't make much light of it when he left blades either cuz he he, he kind of just like was gone and nothing else was really said. And so we kind of really don't know how it really ended. It, it, it started to come out that, that now that time has gone on, but it's crazy to, you know, compare stories of, of similar managers leaving. But the thing is, he, um, he came to the club uh, and, and we are, we are restructuring slightly our, um, our policy. We, we've now got uh, a head of recruitment and a recruitment team and they'll they'll look at players. They'll buy players, obviously, with um, with consultation with the uh, with the head coach. So he came to the club knowing that that structure was already in place. And he um, doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. He, he wants full. He wants full control. Yes, that's right. He did accept it. He took the job knowing that that was the case. However, um, at the beginning of this season. He tried to bring in two players uh, that he quite fancied in in Dwight Gale uh, and uh, David McGoldrick. He's worked Mm -hmm. with McGoldrick in the past. Uh, Dwight Gale was um, not far from Middlesbrough Road at Newcastle. But that's not the way we're going. We've changed our our policy. We're going for um, younger players um, with a sell-on value rather than going for older players at the back end of the career. Uh, commanding big wages uh, and what you'll get out of them is a bit of a gamble. Um, So, you know, he was, he was keen on them to come in. Um, He was firmly told, no, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. You know, we've done that in the past. We've signed older players and we don't get value for money. And he didn't like it. And like I say, that's where the, um, that's where, plus the Burnley link, that's, that's how the relationship fractured and, uh, and, and grew worse. Uh, and it ultimately led to him um, to him being sacked uh, after we were beaten away by Coventry. Yeah, it's it's very similar. And it's crazy that he agreed to those terms to come in, you know, and you know you have all these all these guys just f- to sign players, and it was it was a similar thing at United too. There were rumblings that we wanted to. Ha- to to have a head of recruitment and all that stuff and control the players that we were bringing in. And Wilder, no, he didn't like that. He was like, I came in, I had full control over the players that I could buy and bring in and whatnot. And then it's it almost kind of soured like that. And next thing you know, he was gone. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's eerily similar how, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one person moves on and it, it seems to be the death of one person at – you know, a number of clubs. Now he's linked for Huddersfield and uh, Southampton sack, Nathan Jones. He's rumored. It's, it's insane. Um, it's insane, but you know, I wish him all the best. He, he did. He brought the glory years back to United. So what can I say? I can't say a bad thing about him. Uh, so moving on, who is the, the danger man for Middlesbrough? Is there just one single person or is there a collective group of, of different individual players? Yeah, yeah, the, the, it's uh, it's a collective group, really. I mean, um, uh, I, I suppose if I if I was to ask you the same question, you could um, you could go on uh, about your strikers, you know, or you have Sanderberg or um, Bogle, you know, that they they're all good for you. We've got similar. We, we've got um, obviously we've got the league the league's top scorer in Juba Akpom. Um, he's been given a slightly different role under Wilder and he's absolutely relishing it. Um, he's less of a, a, a target man, more of a playing a number 10, you know, where he, he drops deep, he wins a ball um, and then plays it on and gets on the end of it. Um, so Chubert Akpom, who's, um, who's been scoring uh, a lot of goals uh, frequently, um, very often um, in the last 11 games, um We've got um, Marcus Foss, who we got from Brentford, Brentford a, a young lad who's only 21, but um, he's hitting a bit of uh, form, um, scoring goals. 
but also his contribution um, to assists and build up is is key. Um, Australian international Riley McGree, um, he scored Saturday. He's 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 getting in, in the box and on the end of things quite regularly, and and he's also very creative. Young lad in midfield, Hayden Hackney. Um, he can he can see a pass. He can he can open up defenses. He, he's got bags of energy. Uh, we've got Johnny Houghton. He's a um, shall we say a stalwart. He's he, he's he's experienced. He's got knowledge, and he's still got a good engine at uh, thirty three year old. We've got also on loan from Aston Villa. We've got Cameron Archer, who had a great spell on loan at Preston. He knows the um, championship very well. He scored his first goal for us against Cardiff on Saturday. But the the brief time he's been here, because we signed him in the uh, January window, he's looked very, very bright. So there is there is a, a lot of decent attacking options we've got. But also in defence, we've got Dada Lenahan and Dale Fry, who've formed a brilliant partnership in in central defence. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think while your team's doing well, you can say you can pick out quite a few players. Um, you know, it's not, there's not just one focal point of our team. You know, there's, there's a lot of good players there and um, we're doing well at the moment. We're getting, we're getting results, but come Wednesday, that's a, you know, that, that's a totally different game because you're banging form. Five wins on the bounce at home, unbeaten in ten. You know, so it's going to be a tough, tough test. I, I went there last. I went to Bramall Lane last year, confident, hopeful that we'd get something from you. Thumped us absolutely. Thumped us four-one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can I can expect another tough game um, on Wednesday. Yeah, I I remember that because we were all very because that was Wilder's first return to Bramall Lane and we're like, oh, he's going to do us over. He's going to stuff us four nil. You know, <laughs> we we don't stand any chance. And then we absolutely just played what, in my opinion, to that point of last season was what I thought was our best game. It was like the most emphatic win. And if it wasn't for a mess up at the back, it was probably a four nil win. Um, uh, uh, Wes. Wes error at the back let you guys in and and you got the late late goal to make it four one. Um, so as you alluded to, you you touched briefly on the blades. What are your thoughts to this point on blades this year? Pretty impressive, I guess. Three quarters yeah, of the uh, way. Uh, well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, you, you you know you 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 just seem to be churning out result after result, and um, and and that's what. That's what makes you do well in this league. It's consistency, mm-hmm. um, and and you've been getting results uh, consistently. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm looking at Wednesday, and if we don't win, just don't get beat. You know, if you can't win, don't lose. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, I think you've you've got enough um, of a lead on us, ten points plus a game in hand, to make um, second spot. Um, Difficult for us to attain, but that's that's not to say we'll we'll give up. You know, we we won't give up on that. We'll keep on trying because still plenty of games to come. But um, but I would if you would ask me now, I'd I would happily take a point away from Wednesday's game. Yeah, I I agree. I I think we're I think we're uh, in very similar ilk here. Um, so let me ask you. You kind of alluded to it. Is this would you say this is a must win game for Burrow to if you guys do win this game, then and I'm probably stating the obvious, if you guys win this game, do you think the the chase for second is on? Or do you like as you as you alluded to, if you take a point, is that almost saying, okay, United can have second place and we'll play for the playoffs? Is that is that it's kind of a double edged question? That I just asked, but would you say Wednesday's game is a must-win? Um, for second place for us, yes. Um, although a draw would keep us um, still having a little bit of hope. But if we if we were to win, um, obviously that reduces the gap to seven. I know you've got a game in hand, uh, but you've got some tough tough fixtures coming up. So 
there's always the chance that there there could be slip ups. So if we win, um, yeah, we will definitely think that we can we can, um, breathe down your necks and and hope that you make mistakes and, um, slip up couple of games or draws defeat here and there and we can continue on a winning progression um, so it's a must win for us insofar as second place um, would be achievable a draw would see us maintain that 10 point you maintain that 10 point lead um, it doesn't mean that we're out of it but it just makes it less likely. Obviously, I think I'm stating the obvious there, but yeah, um, we're going to go down there. We've sold out all the tickets you've you've given us. Um, Hopefully, we'll see a far better performance than last season Hmm. and a far better scoreline. Fingers crossed. And that leaves me my last question. John, (laughs) what is your scoreline for Wednesday? Uh, it's, It's a game that, it's a game that doesn't need to be a midweek fixture. This needs to be a Saturday 3 p.m. kick, you know. So you, it's like you have everybody's able to travel and whatnot, and it's just not on a week. It's not on a weekday night. This is a fixture that needs to be on a on a Saturday at 3 p.m. kickoff. So, John, your final pr- prediction. It's okay if you pick Burrow to win five nil. You're not the first one to take the opposing team <laughs> to beat the Blades. Listen, I'll try and be realistic. Um, I, I think um, I think we, we, we could get a draw, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my neck on the line and predict two one for Middlesbrough. Uh, and if it is a draw, I'll still come away happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'll drop my score line in. I think it's gonna be a one one draw. I, I think it's just gonna be a draw. It's just gonna be. We'll take a point and we'll be content with that and we'll be like, okay, on our way. No no points gained, no points lost. Just, you know, we still have the game in hand over Middlesbrough that we're going to have to play at some point to either extend that lead or keep it at 10. And I think based on how we played Saturday against Swans, I could see this being like a cagey affair and, you know, blades around form like they were against Swans. We could win 2-0, 2-1. It, it could be in a very enthralling game. I don't think this is going to be a dull game. I don't think it's going to be a boring game. I think it's it'll probably start out that way, but there will be like a tackle that will liven the game up and the crowd will get in it, and then a goal goes in and it just opens the game up. And it, like I said, I, I think it ends 1-1. Um, and we a hall shall be found out. On Wednesday night, 8 p.m. kickoff. I'll be listening. I won't be watching. I'll be at work. John, you said you'll be at the game? Yeah, that's right, yeah. He's going to Bramall Lane. Um, so with that, uh, I would like to thank John from the 12th Man Borough Podcast. John, let the folks who are listening, uh, where are you on social media so they can follow you? Yeah, we just uh, it's just uh, tr- Twitter. Um, that, so we do all of our sort of social media work is a little bit on Facebook um, uh, and we do a, a weekly podcast it'll be Monday Monday nights uh, this week um, we'll talk about Cardiff we'll um, preview um, Sheffield United uh, uh, yeah it's 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 lively uh, the, the, the podcast is hosted on all the uh, the usual podcast sites you know Spotify uh, Podomatic um, Amazon Deezer yeah lots um, so so yeah, if any if any Borough fans are listening, yeah, it'd be great to be uh, to tune in, have a listen. It's just basically lads who go to the matches, and it's 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 it's. I suppose it's like a a a, a pub chat after the game, you know, where we where we discuss things. We don't bandy stats and and this that and the other. We're a bit old school. It's it's actual talking about the game itself, you know, the 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 events of the game, not percentages. I don't like that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, that is going to be it. Well, Chad, I think that is just about all the time that we have for this episode of the Red Half of Sheffield. Really quickly, before we take off, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me at cjarvis_13 on Twitter and Instagram. 
And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at SunPuck on Instagram and at Nessman930 on Twitter. And if you haven't done so, please follow this podcast on social media at Red Sheffield on Twitter and at the Red Half of Sheffield on Facebook. Additionally, we just started up a YouTube channel and we put up our very first video last week regarding Dozy Mabusi's like first interview confirming that he is indeed trying to purchase Sheffield United. I uh, gave that interview on the five podcast. Definitely check out our reaction to that. You can follow us on YouTube or subscribe to us on YouTube at the Red Half of Sheffield. Um, so until this Wednesday, when we play Middlesbrough at the lane, up the blades, Chad, up the blades, come on, you red and white wizards. (laughs) 